back in, I think it was that, what, the late 70s, I don't know what the years were in which uh, that show was on TV. It was back when we only had six channels to choose from. And you remember those days. Well, some of you can't. Uh, you need 200 channels to flick through. But back in the days when you only had six to choose from, uh, this was one of those shows that we all would watch and enjoyed it. Uh, some would win, some would lose. Uh, some uh, stood on the podium and were able to be thrilled with the victory. But others, as you saw, uh, were, they did experience the agony of defeat. I, I thought of that theme as I thought about Romans chapter 7. As I read through Romans chapter 7, I couldn't help but think of the, the thrill of victory, but the agony of defeat. Because what we find in Romans chapter 7 is Paul defeated. Paul struggling, really struggling with sin. Because Paul understands, as we looked at last time, that there are two natures within us. That even though Christ has come to indwell us, even though we have all the power of Christ available to us, the old Adam, the old self, the old nature remains. And even though we said last week in chapter 6 that that old man has been rendered powerless, he is very much alive and well today. And what Paul does in Romans chapter 7 is he describes his own personal struggle with sin. For Paul, this is deeply personal as he shares his testimony of an internal struggle, a spiritual warfare. What Paul says here is not the kind of testimony you will hear in November at the worship gathering. We don't share these inner personal struggles with sin. But Paul is very open. And Paul wants us to know that he struggles and often fails. Tommy Lasorda, the former Los Angeles Dodgers manager, he describes his battle with bad habits. And this is what he says. He said, I took out a pack of cigarettes from my pocket. I stared at it and said, who's stronger, you or me? The answer was me. And I stopped smoking. Then I took a vodka martini and I said to it, who's stronger, you or me? And again, the answer was me. And I quit drinking. Then I went on a diet. And I looked at a big plate of linguine with clam sauce. And I said, who's stronger, you or me? And a little clam looked up at me and said, I am. And he said, I was beat by linguine. Well, Paul feels that way. Paul feels as though he cannot get the upper hand. Let's read. Look at Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 17. And remember, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. You know, if this was anyone else writing their autobiography, we'd say, I get that, I understand that. 
We all struggle with that. But the Apostle Paul, this is the one who God chose to take the gospel to the Gentiles. This is the Apostle that went on three missionary journeys and established all of these churches from city to city. Verse 14 of chapter 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is written, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, If I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. This is one of the easiest passages for Christians to identify with. As I was reading through this, could you not identify with Paul? Did you not say to yourself, yeah, Paul, you know what? I'm right there with you. There are some things in life that I I know they're not right to do, but for some reason, and I don't quite get it, I do them anyway. Or, you know, Paul, there are some things that are really good. I should be reading my Bible every day. I should be on my knees praying to you. There are some things in life, God, that are just so good. I just can't find it in me to do them. Can't you identify with Paul? And even though Paul is writing his own autobiography, he's he's writing about our lives as well. He's writing about us as well. So let's look at four things that I found in this passage. The first one is in verse 14, where Paul states the facts. Paul states the facts. The fact is, Paul says, I am unspiritual. What an admission. What an admission from the Apostle Paul. And although the old man has been reckoned dead, Although the old self has been rendered powerless, it is in fact alive and well. Paul not only says, I am unspiritual, but in verse 14, I'm sold as a slave to sin. Now some read this phrase and they would suggest that this is not Paul in his 
post-conversion experience. This is not Paul after he has become a Christian. No, no. This is Paul before he became a Christian. This is Paul's description of who he was. Paul describes back in chapter 3. The depraved man, does he not? In chapter 3, he says there's, there's no one righteous. There's no one, not one. There's none who understands. There's no one who seeks God. They've all turned away. It sounds a whole lot what Paul, like what Paul is describing back in chapter 3. But it's not back in chapter 3. We need to understand what Paul is doing in this book. Paul starts back in chapters 1, 2, and 3 describing that all have fallen under sin. We are all under the power of sin. If Paul was going to describe his pre-conversion experience, he would have took it and placed it in chapters 1, 2, or 3. Then he talked about what? Chapters 4 and 5, justification. We're all under sin, but now there's a righteousness that comes from God. We're all under sin, but God has come to save us by grace and through faith. Chapters 4 and 5. We are now in the section of sanctification, of how we grow, of maturity, of becoming Christ-like. And so Paul is describing his spiritual warfare. Now that he has become a Christian, he wants us to know that there's a war taking place internally. And you get that. We all get that. We all understand the warfare that takes place within us. We can all identify with Paul. The second point, Paul states his failures in verses 15 to 20. Paul says, I know that that nothing good lives in me. Now, Paul defines that. Paul says, that is in my sinful nature. Remember, we need to understand there is within us two natures. There's the old, depraved, Adamic nature that, yes, has been crucified with Christ. Yes, it has been rendered powerless. And yes, we do have a second nature. When Christ comes to indwell us, we are partakers of that divine nature. And so we have all the power of Christ in us. And so Paul is saying, I know that nothing good good lives in me. That is in that old nature. He's certainly not referring to the divine nature of Christ. But in his old nature, that old Adamic nature, there's nothing good in it. Paul desires to do what's right. He knows what's right. He knows what's good. He knows what's wrong. Paul, he knows the law. He knows what God said is right and what God said is wrong. The problem with Paul is he doesn't quite understand why he does what God says not to do, and he can't find it in himself to do what God says you shouldn't do. Now, I don't even know if I said that right, because I get confused reading this. But you know what I'm trying to say if I said it wrongly. Paul wants to do right, and he does wrong. And he knows what's wrong, but he does it anyway. And that's Paul's struggle. That is Paul's struggle. There's almost like there are two Pauls. You know, there's the one Paul that wants to do right, and there's one Paul that wants to do wrong. And they're fighting with each other. 
They're fighting over everything. It's like the old cartoon that I mentioned last week where you have the good angel on one shoulder and the bad angel angel on the other shoulder. And they're competing with one another. They're competing to get you to do what they want you to do. And we often find that struggle to be true. But Paul says in verse 17, but it's, it's not really me who is doing these things. It's no longer I myself who do it. It's this sin. It's this old nature. It's this old Adamic nature that is, that is doing all these things. I don't want to do it, but it's sin in me that is doing all of this. Now listen, don't, Paul, Paul's not making excuses. Paul, Paul, he's not making excuses here. He's not just throwing up his hands and saying, oh well, you know, why even try to fight if, if the old nature is going to rear its ugly head and be victorious over my new nature. Paul's not giving up. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of Christians have that attitude. A lot of Christians today, they have the attitude that, you know, I've fought this for years. I've tried everything I know possible. And nothing seems to work, so I'm really not, I'm just tired, I'm weary. I'm weary of the struggle. I'm just going to give in. It's not me anyway, really. It's the old nature. It's not really me that's doing it. That's not Paul's attitude. As I said, unfortunately, for many Christians, it is their attitude. That I'm not going to win anyway, so why even continue the fight? That's not Paul. Paul knows that within him, there is the presence of God himself. That within him, there is this divine nature. There is Christ indwelling in him. And he has all the power of God's spirit. Paul is not giving up. He knows that he loves God. He knows his great desire is to please God. And so until the day that Paul is delivered from this battle, he's going to continue to fight. You know, we speak of salvation, we often speak of it in three different stages. Um, we're free. Salvation frees us from, first of all, in the past, the penalty of sin. Right? When you accepted Christ, you have been freed from the very penalty of sin. That's past. Today, you're being freed from the very power of sin. That's as we spoke. We spoke of the, um, the old man being crucified with Christ. And someday in the future, the Bible says we're going to be free from the very presence of sin. Paul is saying, I am not going to stop fighting until the day that I'm freed completely from sin, when I'm in the very presence of God himself. But until that day, I will fight. Paul's not making excuses Paul's not giving up. He's just stating his failures. But notice also what Paul states. He states his findings in verses 21 down through 24. And this is what Paul discovered in this great battle. He discovered that every time he tries to do good, verse 21, evil's right there. Every time I try to do something good, right there is evil. Paul loves God's law. He states that in these verses. He wants to do exactly what God has told him to do. 
He wants so much to be obedient to the word of God. And again, I think we can identify with us. We, we know the scriptures. We know what God commands us. We know what God says is right, what God says is wrong. And I'm sure we would all admit, admit you know, we really want to do right. We really want to do what God says we should do. Our desire really is to want to obey God. But Paul says in verse 23, there's this other law. There's another law um, in my inner being. I delight in God's law, but in verse 23, I see this, this other law at work that's waging war. In other words, there's this force at work that prevents me from giving my full obedience to God. There's something that keeps me from that. There's something keeping me from becoming fully obedient to God. There's this other law. There's this other force at work within me. We read elsewhere in the Bible, uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Uh, I, I, I know as I gain another age each year, I find that to be true. You know, when I walk onto the tennis court, my mind's the same as it was when I was 25 years old. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, those balls I used to get at 25 years old, I, I struggle to get to anymore. The mind is willing, the spirit's willing, and sometimes I'll start running, I'll say, oh, pfft, why even try? Right? Why even try? But you feel like you can do it. You've done it before. Paul says, you know, my mind is willing. I mean, I really do. I really do want to obey God. And I really believe we would admit that. I would hope so. I would hope that each of us would really, down deep in our heart, we, we want to please God. We really want to obey the scriptures when we read them. And God says, do this or don't do that. And that really is what we want to do. But Paul says, this old body just doesn't want to go in the direction in which my mind wants to take me. And then Paul makes this huge admission in verse 24 when he says, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man. Man, I am. Again, you know, for someone else to say that, we would say, yeah, they are. But the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is calling himself unspiritual. He doesn't understand what he's doing. He speaks of evil always being present when he wants to do what is good. His mind is willing, his spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He speaks of a war that wages internally. And now he calls himself a wretched man. The word wretched actually is a word that means to be exhausted through hard labor. To be completely exhausted after hard labor. Paul has worked hard to be victorious only to find himself completely exhausted and at the end of his rope. He has been reduced to utter weakness. He has fought hard, but in the end, 
he found evil to be the victor. I was reading a story of Watchman Nee, uh, the guy back in the 1920s, the, the Chinese guy that became a Christian, and um, he was staying in this uh, certain house. Uh, he and 20 other Christian men were there, and they were in this um, house together, and uh, they were, there was ministry going on, and they didn't have enough uh, provisions for bathing. It was a small house, 20 men. Um, you need several baths. Well, they didn't have them back then, and so the men would all go down to the river. They'd plunge into the river, and that's where they would bathe. Well, one of these men was a very poor swimmer, and he's out there in the water, and he gets out too far, and he starts to go down. By the way, we do have a new visitor with us today. <laughs> Luke and Steph um, Kiefer uh, brought the little two-month-old-year-old boy, so we congratulate them. He, he's making himself known now this morning. We, we, uh, he said, you didn't welcome me yet, so I'm doing it now. So they're down in the water, right? They're down in this river. They plunge into the water, and this one guy's drowning. He can't swim. And he's going down. He's struggling to stay above the water. And Watchman Nee is standing there along the shore, and there's this other guy who he knows is a good swimmer. He's an expert swimmer. And he looks over and wonders why this guy's not jumping in after this guy to save him. And he even says something to him. You know, what, what kind of a Christian are you? What kind of Christian brother are you? What, what kind of brotherly love is this that you just stand here doing nothing? And this guy is just struggles for a minute or two until finally it looks like he's going down his last time. And then this guy jumps in the water. Being the expert swimmer he is, he grabs him, brings him to shore, everything's fine. And Watchman Nee is scratching his head and is wondering why in the world this guy didn't go in sooner. Why he did not go in sooner. You know what his answer was? You don't go in and try to save someone who's strong in the beginning. Because if I were to go in at that point, we'd have both gone down. You wait until they get to the end of their rope. You wait until they find themselves so weak after struggling that they have no hope but to grab onto you and come to shore. Paul, I believe Paul felt that way. I believe Paul felt as though he is at the end of his rope. He is so weak and exhausted after this struggle. Do you see the point in the story? In that story of Watchman Nee, do you see the point? The point is this. When we give up, when we are completely exhausted, when we have done everything we know how to do to try to be victorious over this sin, then we throw up our hands and we say, okay, God, help me. I've tried everything, God, I know to do. And God, it's just not working. So God, I'm asking you to help. Paul confesses he's unable to do good. Paul's confessing by crying out that he is a wretched man. I've exhausted all of my resources. All of his best efforts are not good enough. And now he's going to look outside of himself. Which brings us to the last point, point number four. Paul says in verse 24, who will rescue me? And then he bursts out in praise and says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. I don't know whether you noticed it or not, but as I read through this, all the personal pronouns that Paul uses to describe himself, I, me, and my. For example, verse 14, notice the I's and me's and my's. I am unspiritual. I do not understand what I do. I want to do and I don't do it. I hate what I hate to do. And if I, I do what I do not want to do, I agree. It's all I, me, my. Paul tried everything he knew, what to, everything he knew to do. It was a personal struggle, struggle, struggle. But he comes now to the point of despair. He comes now to that point where he cries out for help. Who then? can rescue me? Where will my deliverance come from? How is it that I can have victory in this life? And he looks outside of himself, and his cry of despair changes to a song of praise. Thanks be to God. He is the one who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul declares that his only hope is through Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When we rely on ourselves, when we depend on ourselves to achieve victory, when we work and struggle, we come to the end where we say, it's not working. And that's when God says, call to me. I will be there to help you. You see, justification is ours through Jesus, and justification requires no work on our part. But then we think when we come to sanctification, that it's, it's all about me. It's my fight. It's my struggle. God says you still must depend on me. You still must rely on me. Don't depend on your own efforts. You're not strong enough to defeat the evil one in the world. And even though I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, the Bible says, but it's really Christ living through you. It's Christ who lives through us. I, me, my equals defeat. God, Jesus Christ, Lord, verse 25, equals victory. We are powerless. Christ is powerful. Now, one of the questions we ask is, all right, I get that. How do we let Christ live through us? How do I live in the strength and the power of God's Spirit? We say, we understand that, Paul. We struggle in our own efforts, and it leads us to a dead end. It leads us to defeat, but we want victory. All right, thanks be to God. It's all about God working through us, giving us strength. Well, in order to get the answer to that question, you have to come next week. Because chapter 8 is going to expand on that. And chapter 8 is going to give us the answer to that question. Look at verses 1 and 2, just to give you a taste of what's coming next week. Therefore, 8, 1... Therefore, all right, Paul has said all that he said in chapter 7. Therefore, here's the conclusion. That's why we can't cover it this morning. We've got to wait till next week. Therefore, 
there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jump down to verse 4. In order that the righteousness, righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but we live according to the Spirit. We're going to answer the question, how do we live according to the Spirit? How do we live in the power of Jesus Christ? How do we do that? If the strength is not in us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is, he that is in the world, how do we let Christ live through us? We answer that question next week. Come back next week, and you'll find out how. Let's close. Father, we thank you. We kind of ended on a strange note this morning, Lord. We kind of left things hanging because we do desire to do good. And, uh, Father, we haven't quite explained uh, how uh, that good comes about. Uh, we did say that it comes through God. It comes through you, Father. It comes through your Son. It comes according to, uh, as we live according to the Spirit. But, Father, how do we do that? Father, this is really important stuff, and so I pray that we might come back next week. We need to come back. We need to know how uh, we can be victorious. Father, we don't want to struggle. We want to live a victorious life. And so we're thankful for Paul that not only shares his testimony about struggling, but he's good to be able to share with us also how we can have victory. Uh, so we look forward to next week. And uh, we just thank you again, Father, for your word, your word that instructs, your word that helps us to live the kind of life that you have asked us to live. So we are soldiers. Uh, we're in a warfare. But, Father, thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's sing once again about being soldiers of the cross in hymn number 456. 456, stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Let's stand together and we'll sing this as we close. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, soldiers of the Stand up.
thank you for the victory that comes through Jesus. Father, help us to live in him as he lives in us. Father, go with us. We know you will. And Father, when we are tempted, help us, Lord, to look to you for strength, strength beyond ourselves, strength, Lord, that comes from you and you alone. And Father, for that man, that woman, that young person who feels like Paul, they just cannot seem to get victory. Father, help them to lean on you. Help them, Father, to find that victory in you and you alone. To God be the glory. Great things you have done. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.